Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. more minutes. That's all that remains. Manchester City and AC Milan have their respective league titles in their hands, but Liverpool and Inter are ready to pounce if either slips up. Outside the title races, Arsenal need a miracle to return to the Champions League, while the specter of relegation still looms large and promises dramatic curtain calls in the Premier League, Serie A, Liga and La Liga. I'm LME alongside James Bench and Michael Lahoud, and we have a lot to get through the Kigo Lasso weekend preview begins right now. Hey everybody, welcome to Kigo Lasso, Kigo Lasso pod on Twitter, youtube.com forward slash Kigo Lasso CBS Sports and your CBS Sports app. You didn't hear it, but it took me about five attempts to say <laughs> the introduction. Uh, I love this, Norris. He's Shakespeare with this stuff, but sometimes he really gives me a lot of headaches. Michael LaHood, how are you, buddy? I'm doing fine. I think I've started to recover from the jet lag from the recent honeymoon and nothing like a Europa League final to get you back into the soccer mood. Yeah, I don't feel sorry for you when you're talking about honeymoon <laughs> and Greece and Fiji and all that stuff. It's ridiculous. James Bench, I'm not too happy about how the way that went. How are you, buddy? Yeah, I'm not too happy either. St. Totteringham's Day. I, I know, know it's St. Totteringham's <laughs> Day. It, that wasn't the problem. I can say St. Totteringham's Day. It's when I have to say it within this monologue. It was like I had to be John Nash. It was just too much Ooh. for me. It was yeah. too much. It was a beautiful monologue. I never want to, you know, dilute the great work of Des Norris. It's just that sometimes, <laughs> you know, it's a little. Hey, by the way, also English is my second language. People forget that. All right. All right. Let's, <laughs> let's move on, everybody. It's the final day of the season, of course. And as we mentioned in the intro, Premier League and Serie A is where it's at as AC Milan, Manchester City, of course, uh, fighting with Liverpool towards that Sunday title race. So we're going to begin there in the Premier League. I've got a lot of things to say, but I'm going to leave it at the end here as uh, just to set you off. By the way, Manchester City lead Liverpool in the table by one point. Liverpool face Wolves, and you would expect a victory there at Anfield. They have to win and hope that Aston Villa get a draw or a win against Manchester City. And so, you know, this past week, week and a half, you know, my club has received a lot of uh, bandwagoners coming on, jumping <laughs> on. I've got a lot to say about that, but I'll wait until the end. James Bench, talk to me, buddy. Uh, Villa, Man City, Liverpool, Wolves. You can see the table right there. What do you expect? Yeah, I mean, look, I can hope to Benjamin Button myself and and start living my life in re reverse. I can hope to wake up tomorrow and it's Christmas Day. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. And Liverpool fans, you can hope that Steven Gerrard does you a favour. doesn't mean it's going to happen. I um, I think this feels exciting and feels like a, a big day. And of course, it is great and credit to Liverpool um, for keeping pace with City and taking this down to the final day. But sadly, I kind of think this is this is where it ends. City are really good. Villa have had their moments. They're you know they're okay against Liverpool, which was kind of impressive because part of you thinks maybe Steven Gerrard will just uh, want to do his former team a favour. But you know this is these are the sort of teams that that City have for breakfast, and I, I'm not just saying that that to wind you up. I think this may end up feeling like something of a damp squib when we played about 20 minutes at the Etihad. Ooh, I'm I'm not too sure I'm ready to to just concede that just yet, James. Aston Villa, as of late in the last five games, only lost one match. That was against Liverpool. And they're playing at home against Villa Park, which is a very difficult place to play. In their last two matches, they scored the first goal. Villa's biggest problem hasn't been scoring goals. They switched to a diamond midfield, which typically you do that as a manager if you want to get your best midfielders on the field which happened to be all center midfielders, and to get your best player on the field, Philippe Coutinho, in his natural position, attacking mid. If you're Manchester City, there's nothing like a game like this that you don't want any part of, which is an Aston Villa who is motivated, who has three people, the manager, who is an insp inspirational sort of manager, 
Philippe Coutinho, Danny Ings. I just think there, there's just something about this, the way that Liverpool season has gone, where everything has fallen their way. You look at the FA Cup final, where you can't say that that was a final that they dominated, but they did just enough to win. The last couple games, they've done just enough to win. But to City's credit, I just mm, 24 goals in their last six games. It's really hard to bet against them in the way they're playing right now. Yeah, I mean that that's exactly what you say at the end. That's that's the kind of the reality of the situation. Yes, it would would be great for Gerard and Coutinho to to play spoiler. It'd be, you know, nice for those guys that didn't win a title with Liverpool to to to, to lend a helping hand. But it's just about, you know, a mid-table Premier League team who who have got better. I, I there will be occasions I'm sure where I can uh, have a go at Aston Villa about their um site their, their their transfer policy which I think is is very high risk and it's going to set them up to be a new Everton within two or three years. But that aside, it just you know these games on the final day of the season when one team doesn't have anything to play for beyond pride and a few million quid and the other team has everything to play for and that team is Manchester City who who take mid-table teams to the cleaners. I don't I think we will be kind of saying within 20 minutes or 30 minutes title race is gone. That's not that's not like a criticism of Villa per se. I would be saying the same thing to you if this was Brighton, if this was uh, you know any sort of mid-table team that don't have anything to play for compared to what City have to play for. I know they can wobble against big top-tier opposition in big games, but but these are the sort of matches where they are very efficient. They get the job done. They've been playing great of late um, and showed some real fighting spirit to uh, to come back from two goals down against West Ham. So I just I just don't see us getting a real title race on the final day. Yeah, let me just jump in here uh, as we move on, okay? Uh, first of all, obviously, it's great to see the fact that the title race goes all the way to the last day of the season. Man City just leading by a point. And you could see a situation where... You know, especially because all games are playing simultaneously. Liverpool take that lead against Wolves very early on. It's still a draw, right, between City and Villa. And that's, uh, you know, that could be interesting because, you know, on the live table, they'll be like, oh, dramatically, oh, look, Liverpool's jumped above. What's going to happen? All right. The second part I want to say, by the way, is, and James Bench, I'm going to ignore your Everton transfer <laughs> policy thing. I'm just going to swiftly move on there. But the, the thing that I do want to say, though, is, is this. First of all, um, I just want to say something straight. I, I, I love the fact that all these uh, fans that, that don't want Man City to win are jumping on the Villa bandwagon. They're jumped Steven Gerrard and Coutinho. It's very nice. Thank you so much. Welcome to disappointment. Because let me just remind you of your few statistics. Against Manchester City, we've played them about eight times since 2016. They've won every single time. Over the course of the record of the Premier League, Man City have a tremendously overwhelming winning record. So this is not going to be a very intriguing matchup when it comes to that. I am not putting any hope there. Now, I hope that we give him a battle. I hope that we do well. By the way, we're taping this before Villa have to face Burnley, so I hope there's mm. no injuries in that situation. You mentioned Felipe Coutinho, Michael Lahoud, Emiliano Buendia has actually been the most influential player as of late. We have a lot of talent, but against this Man City side, I'm not hoping too much. However, and this is where I ended, however, okay, thank you for all you fans that are jumping on Villa, Villa. I have a request for you. If you really want this to happen, if you really think it can happen, let's set some good vibes to the energy. I set you a challenge. You need to remember, learn by trade, learn by heart our Coutinho song and sing it to you. Sing it to me by Sunday. Send it to me on video. Send it to me on email. If you don't know how it goes, this is how it goes. It's the salt. It's to salt and peppers. Push it. Okay. Are you ready? <laughs> he went to Barca and won the league in Spain. He went to Munich. He did the same again. He's fucking magic. And don't you fucking know his name's Felipe. Felipe Coutinho. Da, da, da. Learn that by Sunday. Learn it. Send it to me on Twitter. Send it to me. And if we, the entire nation, just sings that, maybe we'll get something against Man City. Aside from that, I don't think so. Hmm. <laughs> It's no John Lundstrom chant, I'll tell you that. I tell you what, LME, if that doesn't make triple platinum (laughs) by the end of Sunday's match, I'm going to be pissed. i got to be honest, it's one of the best chants we've ever done. I really think I'm 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 very impressed. Very (laughs) impressed. I I didn't know what was going to happen. 
but I like that. I'm telling you, it's good. All right, but listen, I'm with James Banks, though. I think Man City's winning this, James, um, and they will win the title. It could be interesting for about 15 minutes, uh, especially because I think Liverpool might take the lead against Wolves. But then I think Man City will overall take it. So you see, James Benj, in the end, Man City winning this Premier League title. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think maybe we haven't really hit on the Liverpool game quite as much, I would say. Let's do it. That's even more of a game where I'm... If I could be more certain, I'm more certain that Liverpool will beat Wolves. Um, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it kind of feels like for the last few months or whatever, they've been uh, they've been playing in flip-flops and Jose Sarr's <laughs> been doing the, uh, doing the business for them to just keep them earning the odd point here or there. But... Yeah, Wolves are, Wolves are done. I can't believe somehow that yeah. they're still eighth. Um, so I, I I think your scenario may be kind of how it plays out, that you have both teams scoring early, but maybe Liverpool even earlier still. Um, but yeah, I think this will kind of peter out quite early on, which will allow us to, to focus on some of the, the other fun bits. I'm going to put a wrinkle in this. I think City will win. I, I definitely agree with you. But for this Liverpool match... Because of the injury woes and some of the injury scares that they have and a small game that they have, probably the smallest game in the world, the Champions League final the following weekend that you will be at, James Benj, which that's awesome. But I think because of that game, you're you're probably not going to see the Mohamed Salahs. You're not going to see the Virgil van Dijks. Fabinho coming back from a hamstring injury. A lot of players, they're going to start thinking about that match and they want to be fresh. They want to be healthy. And I just wonder if as the match goes on and say that city, they pounce early and the match is just a foregone conclusion. If the players just focus Peters out and then wolves get a win, it may not stand for anything, but I think it could be a tricky match for Liverpool just because of the fact that they have something bigger to play for. If they don't win the Premier League, nah, Wolves are not doing anything here. I'm sorry, they they try, they drew one all against Norwich. They got lucky in that Chelsea game, I think, uh, to get that result. They got destroyed by Man City. I'm with James Bench. It's been kind of amazing to see the fact that they're still so high up. But you never know. You never know. Tell us what you think. Tweet us, Kegolasso Pod. All right, let's move on. Let's stay in the Premier League, of course. All right, Saint Totteringham's Day. There you go. Oof. No Saint Totteringham's Day. All right, Norwich. They host Tottenham. And Arsenal host Everton. And, you know, well, James, straight away, man, uh, just give me your reaction overall over the course of this week leading up to this weekend. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I think it's, it's been a, Arsenal have come crashing down to earth um, to a pretty significant degree. Obviously, in January, they gambled that a small squad just playing in the Premier League uh, could get them across the line. And had Thomas Partey and Kieran Tierney got not got injured, and I think that started putting pressure elsewhere in the squad, had those players stayed fit, you know, maybe they would have got across the line. In the end, you know, it really told, I thought, against Spurs that they just they, they didn't have the quality in every position. Some players looked like they were just hanging on. I think add Partey to it, add um, Tierney, even add, you know, a fully fit centre-back at Newcastle and and they might have got, got somewhere. And the reason I'm kind of talking about this in the past is I just cannot, Imagine a world in which Norwich, who have won, I think, one game since the uh, since the end of or since the fifth of February, I think they've won one game, and that was against Burnley. I cannot see a world in which Norwich um, beat beat uh, Tottenham. I could have imagined them getting a point. Like mm. if Arsenal had just come away from um, St James's Park with a point, you could have said maybe that's possible. Um, and look, you know, <laughs> frankly, if there's any team in the big six that I would trust to kind of blow it on the final day against a team that's already relegated, it is Spurs. I remember mm. what happened against uh, Newcastle back in 2016. And I do think there is still some fragility in this squad, but not kind of enough. And even then, I think you kind of need Arsenal to beat Everton. Obviously, we're recording this on Thursday, so we don't know how the relegation picture will look, whether Everton are going to be completely safe. But, you know, this this knackered squad I don't think you'll see Gabrielle and Ben White as well I think Arsenal feel like it's gone so um no St Totteringham's Day again I don't I think don't think that ruins some of the credit that Arsenal should get for this season fifth is better than most of us would have expected at the start of the season but um it is a disappointing end and one that, that shows the areas they need to address in the summer I, I never thought I'd say this as a United fan but I, I was really disappointed 
in Arsenal in the way they finished this season. And I, I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take the Mickey. I'm really trying hard not to go ham on Arsenal after that Newcastle match. So I'll just be professional about it. They were crap against Newcastle. And it was it was so disappointing to see when you do all that work and just Mikhail Arteta, and I agree with you, Benj, with just what he's done with this young team to get players that are from the Arsenal DNA, from the academy, Saka, Emil Smith-Rowe, Odegaard, the season these young players have had, to go into a match like that where destiny's in your hands. Mm, you, Was you it that they were crap, it. Michael? Or do you do you give a little credit to Newcastle? Because uh, you know, I think, I think, it was, well. what I think, think it was I think it's a combination of both. I think Newcastle, they bullied them throughout the field and they put the game on their terms. And from there, you still have to show up. And it, it's a different it's it's just kind of a little bit more of the the old arsenal, but with younger players. But I think this is just what isn't this just what young players do? I think we kind of jam it into an Arsenal narrative because it makes sense and because it's true that under Arsene Wenger that the, these things did happen quite a lot. But this is a different team, and you know, a team that we've seen show fighting spirit. I think part of it is just you know, it kind of put me in mind. Although I would never expect the same level of success, it made me think a little bit of you know those early runs for say the Chicago Bulls in the NBA playoffs mm. where they come up against a bigger, meaner, more experienced team and just get bullied. And that's what happened against Spurs. And then because, you know, it, then it carries over because they're young, because they can't get out of their heads. And, and I, I think we kind of... Yeah, there's a yeah. lot to put on on Saka, expecting him to deliver every single time, Emil Smith-Rowe, etc. And I do think the steps are there. You see the development from Mikel Arteta's side. It's just maybe perhaps hoping for a definite Champions League spot, Michael Lahoud, was maybe a little bit too much. I think Europa League is a is a decent place for Arsenal to be in, and, and hopefully they can move on from this. But I, I guess where it lies in the disappointment is the fact that it came so close, right? It came so close. It wasn't like this was defined like a few months ago. This is literally, it was in their grasp, and to your point, they were disappointing against Newcastle. Yeah, I mean, and and that's that's where, like I said, the, the if you're an Arsenal fan, the disappointment comes with, I don't care if your players are 17, 16, 15, these are very good young players. These are players that play for their national team that were fixtures in the Euros, that are fixtures in the World Cup qualification. And what they've done is incredible to get to this point, but you have to reward yourself. You have to reward yourself. And yes, there's building blocks, but... They they blew it. They they went against their direct rivals and didn't show up for that game. Yes, a red card changes the game. And then you go on the road and then you put even more pressure on yourself. And look, this is football. That And that's what makes the Premier League a beautiful league is the fact that it's not safe until the final day and the drama will always be there. And to switch over to Spurs, I don't think they're going to bottle this. I think Antonio Conte has his team playing with just this sort of definitive confidence that hey, we're going to do what the game demands and we're going to step up. It's our time to seize fourth place. I fully expect Tottenham Hotspurs to get fourth and Arsenal to remain in fifth. Yeah, well, we will see. I, I did want uh, your thoughts, James, mentioned Shaka's comments uh, regarding after that game. He said, we didn't do what the game plan was, not listening to the coach, doing our things. And when you do your things, these games happen. What happened was a disaster performance and playing like this, you don't deserve the Champions League. You don't even deserve to play in the Europa League. I did not mm. think they were entirely helpful at that time. No one, I don't think anyone in the dressing room needed to be told that. I think they all knew that. Um, and obviously, this is one of the most senior players. I know he's had been stripped of the armband in the past, but you know he's a, a captain around the squad, everyone tells me, and, and someone that the young players look up to. I don't know. I mean, it's hard because I think a lot of Arsenal fans actually really liked hearing someone give the unvarnished truth. Mm. Um, I, my feeling is that, like, you don't, you know, who if this message is aimed at the one that the players will ab absorb, and it was interesting. I think they will also absorb what Gary Neville said after it, which was that the, he thought Jacker was digging out some of the younger players, um, and mm. I certainly did get the feeling that it, it would, you know. It was it was something that everyone could take criticism in, and it felt more global than like kind of Jacka talking about himself. Um, I don't necessarily see that as being beneficial. I think you know the message I would want to hear from um, from 
from Arteta, who did, who did the same as well, and from Xhaka, is we're going to learn from this. We will come back stronger. We will keep this with us. This is going to be a really tough, formative moment for Arsenal. And potentially this could be the moment that we look back on in three years' time. And go, That's how they became a, a perennial Champions League team and maybe better. Or it could be the moment that, that crushes the spirit of some of these players. And I fear that comments like that tilt the scales towards it being a crushing blow that Arsenal can't recover from at the start of next season. Well, especially to the narrative that we were just talking about, that Arsenal is a young team. Of course, I'm specifically focusing on the beginning of that paragraph, Michael LaHood, when he says, we didn't do what the game plan was, not listening to the coach. That's interesting to me. Uh, maybe youthful naivety. I, I don't know. What do you think? I, I think I, I agree with Benj. Of, that's a dig. And I'm, I'm just going on personal experience. As a young player, when I started my career, I hated, I hated when the elder statesmen, when the veteran players who've done big things would go to the media and have a dig like that. I, I think with the fact that you still have something to play for going into the final game of the season, that is not what you want one of your leaders to do. And Granit Xhaka is a leader of this team. Whether he has the armband on or not, he's a big personality. His presence is infectious. When he decides to use it on the field, hmm. you see the benefits of it as an Arsenal fan and, and the Arsenal players, they galvanize around a player like that. And for him to just ooze out his frustration, I think that is a just misdirected frustration at the bigger issue, which is they didn't get the job done in the last two matches. And the, the frustration and the pressure, it builds as you're playing for Champions League, as you're playing for contracts next year, as you're playing for just the biggest prizes around the world. But I'd expect a little bit better just reaction from Granit Xhaka because the season's not completely over. Anything can still happen on the final day. And now you've put your team half a step back mentally with a comment like that. Yeah. And the only thing that I'll just say is um, give him a little bit of slack. It was right after the game. I'm imagining that, you know, he just, you know, I'm going back to when Lionel Messi said he'll never play football again after losing. He can, you know from experience, I mean? he can be like that. <laughs> and exactly. I know from experience when he has sworn at me in mix zones, uh, he can be like that. And that's yes, not but, a bad thing. That's not always a bad thing. But uh, yeah, yeah, I completely, you are right, Luis, that that's how it, that message came about. Yeah. So, you know, but, but yes, I think it, it's a very good point, especially in the situation that Arsenal uh, are in right now. All right. Well, let's do quick predictions then on what happens uh, on Sunday. Then Michael LaHood, as we look, obviously Tottenham have full control. You see Tottenham holding on to that. Champions League spot. Yeah, absolutely. The, their best players are scoring the goals. They're doing what they're paid to do. Give the ball to Harry Kane anywhere from midfield towards the the end line or the goal line, and good things will happen. Sun Yun Ming doing his thing. Fully expect Spurs to take full advantage. See, I think this might be more fun uh, or exciting <laughs> for, for the neutral viewer. So I'm going to tell you, uh, this, in the 70th minute, I think Arsenal will be 2-0 up against Everton, and it will be nil-nil at Carrow Road. Uh, and then around then... Son 70th Harry minute. Kane. You really see a nil-nil at Carrow Road, 70th minute. And then around then, <laughs> That's Son go off. Harry Kane <laughs> will go off. They'll win two or three-nil. Uh, Arsenal will will get relayed to the pitch somehow, and they will end up drawing two all. Yeah, that's my prediction. Yeah, the fun things of uh, the final day of the season, of course. All right, very quick on the relegation. I know, I know we should go longer, but we got a lot to discuss. So let's just quickly break it down, everybody. Norwich are done. Obviously, Watford are done. So it's between, you know, Burnley, Leeds, Everton, Everton in 16th place, of course. By the way, we're taping this again before Thursday's matches. So that has a lot of incentive as well. But, you know, I'm specifically looking at Leeds, really, just because they're the ones that don't play on Thursday, Michael LaHood. Who, if you were to take a wager here. Burnley still have to face Aston Villa on Thursday. So, you know, there's that part as well. And, you know, we've already talked about Everton, who before Arsenal, they play Crystal Palace on Thursday as well. What what, what would you think will happen towards uh, the end of the day on Sunday and who will be that third team to go down? I've I've had this feeling in my gut for a while now since the woes started on the blue half of Merseyside. And the feeling hasn't changed. And it almost changed with their almost recent result where I thought they were going to get the three points. But when that final whistle blew, I tell you what, Everton are going down. I just I just think 
Well, I mean, remember, this is going before the game against Palace. So everybody just, you know, take take that. If you're watching or listening to this on Friday and Everton win against Crystal Palace, all right, let's let's, let's tone it down. But you see Everton (laughs) losing both games. I, I, the 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 game against Palace is a very tricky tricky game. Yeah, they're Patrick a very Vera, good team, Crystal Palace. Patrick Vieira will have them ready to go, and if they play Palace and they don't get the win, now you're physically fatigued and you're fighting for your Premier League lives going into the weekend. And I think if they played anyone else, Crystal Palace, they will show up for the game. They, they they've just they've done that. They've been a resurgent team in the second half of the season, and I, I just think. That's just too tricky of a matchup to finish the season. And then obviously the last game of the season, you're playing against a team that is playing for a lot on the line. Two teams that will show up that I just I just can't see them. You know, you, you it's always possible in football, but I, I just think this might be the year. So I have um, leads going into the, the final day in the bottom three. I think both Everton, uh, well, Burnley, I, I think we'll get something from Villa. Everton, I'm I'm a little bit more optimistic than Mike. I saw them um, against Watford. I wish I hadn't seen them against Watford. I wish I could have clawed my own eyeballs out to make that game stop. It was um, horrible, but it was effective. Like that's what you need at this stage of the season. If you're battling relegation, you go away and you take a point, and at home you make it a fortress and you win your games. And I think that's probably what Lampard has got to now. So functionally, Leeds are basically a point down because relegate their their goal difference is atrocious and I just then can't see that turning on the final day that their, their final game is is not a simple one against Brentford I think there's a fair bit of needle between those two teams but dating back to the championship days and there'll be players like Pontus Janssen in the Brentford team that will be pretty up for spoiling the party and, and Brentford of course will want to end their final their, their final game of the first season in the Premier League on a high so, although I think Jesse Marsh has done a fantastic job, um, given what what where he came in, I I just think this might not be the the day for Leeds, and, and I think they might be the ones to go down. Yeah, so Leeds United is my team, uh, unfortunately, that I think uh, going down as well. You know, we've talked about it a lot here in this show. It's not all of Jesse Marsh's fault. Of course not. He came in pretty late and the goal differential by that point was already disastrous. And the problem is when you take over a team like Marcelo Bielsa's, you know, even though Jesse Marsh is kind of similar to the Bielsa system, the, the biggest problem for Leeds has always been to be good off the ball defensively, and that just hasn't been rectified. And to your point, James, they're now playing a, you know, they're traveling to a Brentford side who want to end it on a high. They've had a great rookie season in the Premier League. Christian Eriksen, uh, the numbers I'm looking at here, how he does at home specifically are fantastic. You know, it's going to be tough. And, and because they don't have that extra game, regardless of what happens on Thursday, I see Leeds going down and uh, you know, that, it will be, you know, sad, but I don't know. Too little, too late to, you know, saying goodbye to Bielsa. Jesse Marsh, the wrong person. I, I I don't know what it is. I just know that, you know, two straight red cards in the last two games as well didn't help anything as well. And the one yeah. thing I would specifically say, because we do talk about that there are, le- there are levels of dead rubber. And I think for Brentford specifically, there is the prospect of a top half finish, which yeah. I think which is amazing. For Thomas yeah. yeah, I think that, you know, almost... You know, I don't think you can motivate players by saying, look, every place is worth another £2 million to the club. But I think if you say to, to players, you can prove on the final day of the season that you are in the top 10 teams in England, that will motivate players to play well. I'm no doubt of that. Yeah. All right. Well, we're going to take a break here, everybody. And when we come back, Serie A conversation, because it's not just England where a title race is up for grabs in the final day. We'll also talk the relegation battle there as well, because it's also tasty there as well. A little bit on La Liga, because there's a relegation conversation, of course. Some Liga, a little thought uh, on the Women's Champions League final, by the way, Barcelona against Lyon. Final thoughts, and that will be it. Kigo Lasso, weekend preview. Michael LeHu, James Bench, LME. We'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. Welcome back to Kigolasso Weekend Preview. Let's get into it. Serie A, down to the wire. AC Milan feeling very confident. Inter Milan feeling very hopeful. But, you know, they already have Coppa Italia, so it's not completely disastrous for Simone and Zaghi. I think that's commendable. Remind everybody that it's been a pretty good season, especially after Antonio Conte. But in Serie A standings, the race for Scudetto. Milan, they travel to sexy Sassuolo, by the way, they're two points above Inter and Inter host Sampdoria. My God. I mean, pretty cool that it goes all the way down to the final day, Michael LaHood. I had AC Milan to win this whole thing at the beginning of the season. Perhaps it was just fortune because I've been wrong in so many other ways. But AC Milan looking good for it. What do you think? Five straight wins is a pretty good trajectory to be on going into the last day of the season. And I mean, some of their trickiest games coming into it, they had a tough schedule, a tough run in, but they've done the business. And it's the fact that different people are stepping up, but the guy who seems to have found his goal scoring boots again at the right time, Leal, I was mm-hmm. so happy to see him score a guy who I think is a star in the making a star on the rise Portuguese international. And for AC Milan, their good side, it's left side, strong side with Leal and Theo Hernandez, who's been a revelation yep. since moving to Italy. Sassuolo, though, they're so tricky. They're very good at home, and they're a team that pushed a Juve team. They got the first goal in that match, and if it wasn't for a red card, it could have been six and one, half a dozen the other. So I think this is going to be a match that could go down to the wire, but I do see Milan, because of their momentum, because the fan base, because the players, because everyone outside of Inter want them to win this match. I'm just making that up. But because <laughs> <laughs> I think because really they've earned it. Yeah. I mean, what a what a fantastic conclusion as well to have a, a city divided. It really beats the uh, northwest divided of, um, of the Premier League. <laughs> I mean, looking at it from an Inter perspective, I think they will be pretty confident they can get the, the job done uh, at home to Sampdoria. I mean, Lautaro Martinez is is really hitting a, a rich vein form, much like Leao. And I wonder, you know, I mean, it, again, we kind of were talking about this a little bit uh, in relation to the Premier League top four. I wonder how cognizant players really are on these sort of final day title races of what's going on elsewhere, of the, of the scoreboard pressure. Because you kind of need to think that this could be a weapon in your arsenal if you're into Milan, who I think... And more the team that's more likely to kind of run out into an early lead. Mm. I mean, Sassuolo, not a huge amount to play for. Um, they haven't, they, they, as Mike says, they are good at home, but they haven't been great home and away of late. I think it's one win in five. But they could, they could, they're the sort of team that it takes a while to break down. It takes a while to beat. And if, while Milan are trying to do that, they know that Inter are 2-0 up on Samp and Inter have done, Inter have done everything they can. I think that's where it gets tricky. Uh, for the title race, you know, I mean, it does put one in mind, doesn't it, of the uh, the 2012 Premier League, um, which obviously we remember how that went. And I wouldn't uh, wouldn't say no to something similar. And I feel like Serie A has provided us so much drama that that seems eminently plausible. But um, yeah, I think big thing for me, Inter, go out there and uh, get your game won and kind of hope that from afar, Milan is starting to, to worry, are starting to get inside their heads a bit. That's, I think, how Inter win the title at least. Uh, this this is what uh, one of the things I, I'm just so happy to have is one Syria, the fact that Syria is so competitive again, and there's there's a lot to play for, not just for the title, but you look throughout the table, there's still European spots to play for. I think of you know the Europa League, Roma, and who's behind them, Fiorentina as well. But with focus on this match, I'm going to pick a storyline for you. Just dream with me. Close your eyes. Meditative exercise. Breathe. Sip a cup of coffee. <laughs> it's 89 minutes. Inter Milan are up 2-0. The 
They're celebrating the Naratsuri, the fan base. The flares are popping. Enter a one Zlatan Ibrahimovic. <laughs> yeah. You knew I was going there. Corner kick from the left hand side. Oh man! Well, I mean, I do see that happen. Bang! Game I, set. I definitely man. see. I definitely see a situation where like uh, everything is decided literally in the final minutes of both games. But to both your points, it won't be easy. By the way, Sassuolo, yeah, nothing to play for. But they, they, I guess a top half finish is something that they're definitely aiming for. By the way, twenty nine of Sassuolo's thirty seven Serie A fixtures so far this season have seen three goals or more. While their past four meetings with Milan have been similarly high scoring, like about a bet over about two and a half goals wouldn't be too bad to expect goals in this one. So I wonder if it's like, you know, one all, two all. And then to your point, Michael LeHood, at the very end, Ibrahimovic gets that winner. It'd be kind of incredible. All right. What, what do you think everything, what do you see happening then, uh, Michael LeHood? And then Ben, you jump in. What, what do you see AC Milan winning the Scudetto for the first time in what is it, almost 10 years? Yeah, it's 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 been it's been too long. I think I think AC Milan get the job done, and you know I'm I'm I don't know if I need to go to a Hindu temple, uh, the, the mosque, or wherever, but I'm gonna put those uh, I'm gonna manifest those Ebra vibes so we can go out on the high. Um, always been a fan of the lion, and I, I think AC Milan. There's just a feel good factor about them. The fact that Inter dropped that game in hand. And just the, the the tables turned in their favor. That doesn't usually happen to this experienced Inter Milan team. I think that just there's just too much of just the good stuff, the gold dust in Milan's favor. Yeah, as much as I've spent forever talking about how uh, this might get, you know, and I love Mike's Mike's storyline. Although to be honest, I think it'd be funnier if Satan rises. Flat corner, karate kicks it and shanks it over the bar. I think <laughs> or hits somebody and gets sent. Yeah, 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 yeah. But more likely to actually there's a, get a red there's card. There's a full yeah. John Lundstrom and gets sent off. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, I think this Milan team have proven in the last four or five games that they actually have the sort of mental qualities, as well as obviously the undoubted technical ones, that they should do the business in, in a fairly comfortable fashion. Yeah. I agree. I think AC Milan will hopefully win that Scudetto. All right, very quickly, relegation battle, by the way. Venezia, 20th, Genoa, 19th, Cagliari, 18th, Salernitana, 17th. I mean, it's tight, tight, tight. I mean, if you look at that, Salernitana, 31 points, Cagliari, 29, and Genoa and Venezia have already been relegated. Cagliari have to host Venezia, who are already going down, and Salernitana, a trickier fixture, I guess, uh, hosting Udinese, who are in 12th as not well. Not for Salernitana, it's not. <laughs> not for Salernitana, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. So you, you, see could, Salern- you say this staying as it is. Oh, you could get like the FIFA World Eleven. Uh, <laughs> Salernitana like, are winning this. It's kind the, of amazing. The monsters of Premier League of, of world football. Yeah. All their powers yeah. in and Salernitana are winning. So you, you're making a Salernitana staying. I mean, the, the, the romanticism of this story continues. They'll stay in Serie A. Yes. And look, I mean, like they, what they need to do is like ask Serie A very politely if they can just carry on and play their <laughs> games for next season, starting next week. No break, oh, just keep oh, going. Yeah, no, I, I I wholeheartedly agree with you. This team has been on a tear in 2022, especially in the last two months. They it it just it's as if. I don't even know what to compare it to. The Space Jam analogy is probably yeah. one of the greatest analogies I've ever heard of in the past 24 hours, James Bench. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not going to take any gloss away from hours. that. He just woke up, by the way. James. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I'm still on Fiji time. <laughs> no, no. So he, they're going to they're gonna do the business fully. Amazing. Well, Salernitana and Udinese have never drawn in Serie A, by the way, after two victories for uh, Bianconetti in 80. No, 98-99. Salernitana won the reverse fixture, but they've never drawn. So you should expect either a win or a loss in this one. But I'm with you all. Salernitana should get this one going. All right, let's quickly discuss La Liga. There's another relegation battle here. Who's going down, Michael LaHood? Cadiz, Mallorca, or Granada? Oh, I I don't know why. I just have a soft spot for Mallorca. I think it just I think selfishly because it's one of my next vacation spots. For this offseason. So I really would like to go to La Liga game there uh, to introduce my uh, missus to La Liga. But on a footballing side, ooh, I think 
I think I'm going to say Cadiz solely because one, the draw that they got against Real Madrid, they got against a Real Madrid team that has their eyes fully set on the UEFA Champions League final. And that that is not your typical Madrid side. It probably took a lot of them, right, to get that yeah. result. So, and, yeah. and it's it's one of those smoke and mirror sort of results. Yes, it gives you a sense of belief, but when you're playing against a team that isn't really doing 100% of who they are, can you really be as confident going in the final game of the season? So I'm picking Cadiz. Great place to vacation too, by the way. I mean, all of Spain is. Oh, yeah. Uh, I have to <laughs> I have to confess, I just uh, got completely distracted. Um, but it is Spanish-related. Um, one of my friends has just texted me that the lineups for Barcelona Music Festival Primavera have just dropped. So uh, this is like live me experiencing. So you're psyched all over. Well, it is Spanish-related, so that's exactly. good. Exactly. <laughs> it's got absolutely nothing uh, to do with <laughs> the relegation race in La Liga. But let's be frank. Uh, if I'd been paying attention, would I be able to offer much more? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll give you some tidbits regarding Alaves against Cadiz. If anybody has any uh, venture of perhaps opting with Cadiz to stay above Alaves, have, uh, you know, at home, Alaves have not won any of their last five matches against Cadiz. So that could uh, help them out a little bit. But I'm with you. I think it's going to stay as is. All right. Um, a little bit more on League A, by the way. Just a little bit of an update. There's a race for second, of course. PSG already, you know, done the job. What else is new? Uh, but Monaco, they travel to Lens and Marseille host Strasbourg as well. That's pretty big because obviously Strasbourg, you know, fighting for a little bit of a European football here. Anything to add here? And by the way, in relegation, Mets, they travel to PSG and St. Etienne, they travel to Nantes. And uh, Jonathan Johnson said it a few episodes ago, the shame about Bordeaux, you know, they have such a tremendous history, not just domestically, but from a continental perspective. And my God, to see them bottom the table down, it's it's pretty remarkable. But any thoughts on on, on French football, James Benjo? Are you going to any few music festivals in, in France? <laughs> well, you're going to Paris for the Champions League, so already that's one. Yeah, I mean, I, I think the Marseille story has been quite an interesting one. Um, they've obviously made real strides, I think it's fair to say, this season, going to the semi-finals of the Conference League. And I think adding the the, the ribbon of, of second place, as, as much as Marseille doubtless will not be happy finishing that behind PSG, I think that's a, that, that would be a sign of real progress and, and will matter to them. I mean, as as Jonathan said, though, you know, you, you hear those names down at the bottom. Saint-Étienne are... Uh, um, you know, Saint-Étienne are a great, great name, one of the iconic names in, in French football. Mets as well is one we, we all know very well in, in England for the players they produced in the, the 90s and 2000s. Um, so it's it's strange to to see them them fighting away. I can't imagine league going without them. But yeah, I mean, if, if Marseille can get a favour from Monaco, I think it'd be quite a great end to the season for them if they could uh, clamber up into second. I've been so impressed with Monaco's ability to just stay near the top of the table, given the players that they lost only, what was it? Was it five years ago, six years ago? Mm. Look at the talent that they've, that they've amassed, that they brought through shipped out and now are replenishing. And I, like I said, I'm, I'm, this is the most biased part of the show for me because I'm always looking for Manchester United transfer targets. Um, and half of them are probably on Monaco's team. But one of the players that I, I really enjoy watching when I watch Monaco is Ben Yedder. I think what an underappreciated, undervalued, one of the most undervalued strikers throughout Europe. Yeah, what he's done sure. consistently over the past couple of years. As he goes, this Monaco team goes. And this season, that's been a very good thing. I expect him to put Monaco on his back and get second place. For Marseille... I think it's been, yes, do you give them plaudits for pushing to get second? Yes, but the real disappointment is going to come in what they did in European competition. I thought they were going to be a team that was going to make it to the final. And should they not make it to the Conference League final and also not get second place, that'd be a very disappointing season for them. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's uh, finish up here. In the Women's Champions League final, fantastic stuff. Saturday, 1 p.m. Eastern in Turin, by the way. Barcelona Femini, the Goliath that is Barcelona Femini. They won every 
single game in the Spanish league. They scored, I don't know, 5,000 goals and they only conceded 11. They are an absolute machine, so talented, so well coached. And they face Lyon, who are no slouches, of course. And they're leading also the French league. But after the final, uh, the following weekend, they have to play PSG as well. They lead the table by five points. I mean, this is just a cracking game. Arguably the two best uh, women's sides in Europe facing against each other. Perhaps Chelsea, Man City can say something about that next season. But for now, it's Barcelona Femini against Lyon. By the way, tickets starting at 10 euros, James Bench. How great is that? I mean, that is fantastic. And I think, frankly, you know, as much as one one doesn't want to criticise you know, go too deep on men's football in a segment about women's football. It's something that, you know, the big finals in the men's game could learn from. And I have mm. no doubt the atmosphere will be improved for allowing fans who can, you know, who, who aren't spending thousands of pounds to go there. Um, I mean, look, this, this Barcelona team, as you said, I mean, one of the best in Europe is probably an understatement. I mean, you could make an argument this is the best club side in the sport right now. Yeah. And the goal difference they've ended the season on is over 100. Uh, I was lucky enough to see them in the group stages um, against a really good Arsenal team who at the time were competing for WSL. And obviously they took that to the title day. And it wasn't even close. You know, yeah. this this team is is on another planet. And it, it's great to see in, in Spain and beyond that they're starting to get the, the plaudits they deserve. I'll confess to not having seen quite as much of Lyon. Um, but, you know, if they're even going to make a game out of this, Leon are going to be a very good team because this Barcelona team is phenomenal. Yeah, well, Leon have not lost a game in in the in the league. Um, they've they've won nineteen, drawn once, and their goal. I mean, it's not as emphatic as Barcelona Femenid, but they've scored uh, seventy four goals. They've only conceded eight, so they're they're very good. But this is uh, like you said, James Bench. I I would go and dare and say that this Barcelona Femenid side of this season, one of the best ever. They're just so good. Obviously. You know, they have to conclude it, Michael LaHood, with a Champions League title. Should be a good one. What I, what I love about this matchup is go back, what we're just, we're going French history soccer to end this show. But it was only a couple of years ago that Lyon, they were the best yep. women's team and they were the dominant force in Europe, winning Champions League title after Champions League title. And this matchup I see really as a potential changing of the guard in European soccer for the women's side. Barcelona taking the mantle, have the opportunity to take the mantle and really be that force and continue to be that force. But even at the the highest level at the, at the women's game internationally, I think of the implications that this could have. For that Lyon side, what you saw was an uptick, not just for Lyon, but for the French women's national team. They became a power as the mm-hmm. Lyon side got strengthened and now the French women's team are one of the world forces for women's soccer. Could this be the mantle that Spain and the the really the the jump that the Spanish women's national team now get because they have a Barcelona side that is a force to be reckoned with? I really hope so because that's going to make the Women's World Cup that much more exciting. Yeah, I'm really glad you went there because that's where I was thinking. I'm hoping that Spain and 2023 Women's World Cup are going to absolutely uh, kill it. It's not just obviously Barcelona Femini have international players, but you also mm-hmm. have you know, Alexia Puteas, uh, Jenny Hermoso, like all these players that are so good. So it should be an interesting caveat to what can happen in 2023 in the Women's World Cup. Barcelona Femini wins this, everybody? Is that yeah. what we're, yeah? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all that to say yes. Yeah, I mean, come on. It's ridiculous. All right, well, that is it, everybody. Uh, that's our Kigolasso Weekend Preview. Thank you so much for being part of the family. Don't forget to follow us, Kegolasso Pod, on Twitter, youtube.com forward slash Kegolasso. Final thoughts before we say goodbye. James Bench, final thoughts. Anything that you want to just bring up before we say goodbye? Yeah, I mean, a lot of the action we've been talking about is, is going to be either Saturday night, uh, European time, or, or mostly on Sunday. Uh, if anyone's looking for some earlier football on Saturday, 10 a.m. Eastern, to be precise, we have the League One playoff final. League Two mm. playoff final is Friday night, I think. But the League One is the one I'm really looking forward to. Sunderland against Wickham Wanderers. Wickham literally, you know, I mean, you'd have to throw it quite hard, but a stone's throw away from Wembley Stadium um, against Sunderland, who are going to sort of decamp en masse. If it's anything like uh, last time they were in a final at Wembley, London will be a sea of red and white. Um 
you know, these guys are going far to make this and there will be a lot of them. And I know that will mean an awful lot to a lot of Sunderland fans if they can finally start getting on the, the upswing, get out of League One, get up into the championship. Um, mad credit to as well. I saw that as a guy who is flying from Sunderland to Mallorca and then flying back to London just so he can be uh, at his uh, at his team's game. So uh, yeah, this is going to be phenomenal. It doesn't surprise me at all. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, I remember doing the review for Sunderland Until I Die back when I was uh, with Sports mm. Illustrated and I talked to some of the players and the creators and stuff. And it was amazing because that documentary was meant to be about Sunderland's triumphant re- return to the Premier League <laughs> from so the championship. <laughs> but it actually went the other way around and they went to League One and they've been stuck there ever since. They've actually made it really far every time. And to your point, James Bench, once again, they will try and do it against Wickham. Amazing. Just amazing. Michael Hood, final point. Oh, gosh, I, I've been perky, just been thinking about this. Actually, I don't know why I thought about this last night. I lost sleep thinking about where, which direction I would go with this. And I, I'm going to steer very clear of Manchester United because I, I've been talking about them ad nauseum. And, you know, my therapist once again says to not do that at the end of the show. How much as I talk about Villa or James okay, okay. at Arsenal? <laughs> okay, so my thing, just a general soccer consensus I love this game, man. I love what this game has given us in 2022, 2021, 2022. I love the fact that on the final day of just about every league throughout Europe, there is something to play for from top to bottom. And I just can't wait for the weekend's matches. Can't wait for some of the matches in the Premier League this afternoon. But for this weekend, get your popcorn ready. Get, yeah, I'll probably just keep it straight American. Budweiser, the American beer. Get your Budweiser ready if you're American. Get your Paps. Get whatever Newcastle pale. Get whatever you're drinking and enjoy the show. I love everything show. that you just said, Michael. Aside enjoy from the, the show. Budweiser. It's the I worst. Know, I, like, oh, man, I know. I know. I know. I'm telling you. Do not like. listen to this man. There's so much <laughs> better uh, options out there. I know that James Bench agrees. Oh, Sierra uh, Nevada. That's what you want. <laughs> ah, Sierra Nevada. Ah, jeez, jeez, jeez. No, but enjoy the show. This is a gift from the footballing gods. Yeah, the fact absolutely. That we get all of this. I just can't wait. And what a privilege it is we get to cover all this. So I'm chomping at the bit to get going over the weekend. But enjoy the festivities, folks. This this may not happen for some time again, but I love it. Well, I hope that you don't drink too many Budweiser's and everybody else because we have a weekend recap to take care of as well. After all these games are done, make sure to follow us live on Sunday after all these games are over. We'll be talking about what just happened. And uh, because it's live, you can throw in your comments and your questions. So it should be a good one. But as for this weekend preview, that is it. Make sure to follow James Bench on Twitter and CBS Sports as well. Michael LaHood, Mike LaHood on Twitter as well and Instagram. Thank you so much for being part of the family. CBS Sports, your CBS Sports app. We will see you next time. Enjoy the final days of the season in Europe and beyond. Till then, see you later. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball and baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does, (laughs) nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.